Today on The Journey. The Christian life was meant to be lived in community, sharing each other's burdens, laughing and crying together, encouraging one another, because we really do need each other. If we're to successfully scale the challenges of life, we must be connected to Christ and other believers. Without a firm union to both, we will fall. On today's program, Ron Moore helps us rope in to our climbing partners so we can summit the peak together. Before that, a quick word about Ron's PDF devotional booklet, Welcome to the Life God Has for You. It shares thoughtful meditations on the joy, confidence, and freedom we have in Jesus. It's available for a donation of any amount, and you can get it at ronmore.org. Your gift today will help further this ministry of developing followers of Jesus Christ. Now here's Ron with the message, Welcome to a Life of Connection on the Journey. The Christian journey was always meant to be a journey of connection. First and most importantly, connection with God through His Son, Jesus Christ. But then, connection with each other, connection with the body. What does it mean to be truly connected with God and with each other? Find, if you would, Philippians chapter 2, verses 1 through 4 where Paul welcomes us to a life of connection, what it means for Christians to do life together. Philippians chapter 2, verses 1 through 4, and the first thing we're going to do together is read this passage. If you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from His love, if any fellowship with the Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and purpose. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility consider others better than yourself. Each of you should look not only to your own interests, but also to the interests of others. The Apostle Paul had a very, very close relationship with the church in Philippi. The church in Philippi demonstrated to him one of the most significant ministries anyone can have, the ministry of presence, of connection. When the leaders of the church in Philippi found out that Paul was in prison in Rome, a thousand miles away, they took up an offering, and they chose a young man named Epaphroditus to take that offering to Paul, but not just to drop it off and go back to Philippi. Epaphroditus was to stay with Paul and meet his needs, to minister to him, to encourage him. The ministry of connection, ministry of presence. Now, when you're in need, it's great to get a card, isn't it? Great to get a phone call. But it's so much better when someone shows up in person. Now, as Epaphroditus arrived in Rome, and as he was telling Paul everything going on in the church in Philippi, encouraging things that God was doing, he said something that Paul interpreted as possibly a bit of disunity 
in the church in Philippi. God was doing great things, but there was this seed of disunity. And so Paul determines to nip it in the bud. And so in chapter 2, verses 1 through 4, he talks about connection and the importance of doing the Christian life together and the importance of our connection not only with God, but with each other. In these verses, Paul begins with our connection with God. And then he tells us, since we have that, we have to demonstrate God's love and encouragement to others. What I've done, I've put together a chart to try to help us understand this passage. And on the left side of the chart, we want to take that from chapter 2, verse 1. And there we see a connection with Christ, what it means to be connected with Christ. And we're going to call these positional connections. There are four of them. They never change. These come from God. They are dependent on Him alone. But we don't stop there. In verses 2 through 4, we see connection with others. If we're connected with Christ, how does that translate into connection with others? And so on the right side of your chart, we have practical connection. What does it mean to put these into practice? So the first thing I want to do very quickly is to go through the four positional connections that we find in verse 1. If you have any encouragement from being united with Christ. Now Paul puts these four statements in conditional phrases. He does it because he is building a case for connection with others. We could translate that since you have encouragement from being united with Christ. Or some translations put it in the form of rhetorical questions. Do you have any encouragement from being united with Christ? With the answer, absolutely yes. So Paul says, if you have any encouragement from, here's the position, being united with Christ. The first positional connection is union with Christ. A true Christian a true believer has a personal, dynamic, living, life-changing relationship with Jesus Christ. It's not that they just know about Christ. They have a personal relationship with Him. A true Christian. Now, I emphasize that because there are a lot of people, and I'm sure some of you here, who think you're a Christian and you're not. You're Christianity is based simply on the fact that you were born in the United States of America, or at some point in your life you went through some confirmation process, or you go to church every once in a while, for certain on Easter and Christmas. Just those things do not make you a Christian. A person who is a true believer has come to that point in their life when they realize that they are a sinner before God and there's nothing they can do about it. They also realize that God has done something for them that they can't do for themselves. He sent His only Son, Jesus Christ, to die for their sin in their place. What they could not do for themselves, God did for them. And so a Christian is one who realizes their sin, realizes what Jesus has done, and they trust in Jesus Christ alone as the only way they can have a relationship with God. Not their confirmation, not their going to church, not their baptism. It's in Jesus Christ alone. It's not by works, but only through faith by grace. That is a true Christian. And Paul says, when you are a true believer, here's what you know for sure. You have been united with Christ. 
There is a living relationship with Jesus Christ, a personal relationship with Christ. And Paul says when that happens, there is going to be encouragement. You're going to know beyond any doubt that you are united to the living God. And when you die, you will wake up in His presence, absent from the body, present with the Lord. That is encouragement. Here's a second positional connection we have. Unconditional love. Look at the middle of verse 1. If any comfort from his love, or since there is comfort from his love. As a Christian, I know that God loves me unconditionally. It is not performance-based. I don't have to do a set of things so that God will accept me and love me. I used to think I did, personally, until I came to the place where I understood from Scripture that I could do nothing to earn God's love. As a Christian, as a true believer, as one who is united with Christ, we can do nothing to make Him love us more. And we can do nothing to make Him love us less. His love for us is unconditional. And Paul says, when I understand that, there is comfort in His love. There is relief. There is this burden lifted. I don't have to earn God's love. I don't have to do something so He'll love me more. If I've done something I shouldn't have, I don't have to worry that He loves me less. His love is unconditional. And when I understand that, there is comfort. There is a relief. The burden is lifted. Unconditional love. Here's a third positional connection. The indwelling of the Spirit. Look at verse 1 again. If you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, since there is comfort in His love, since there is fellowship with the Spirit. The moment a person is united with Christ, the moment he or she believes, the Holy Spirit of God comes and lives within us. It's unbelievable, isn't it? But God, through His Spirit, lives within us. If we're a Christian, we have the Spirit. Look at this verse, chapter 8 of Romans. You, however, are controlled not by the sinful nature, but by the Spirit, if the Spirit of God lives in you. You're controlled by that. And if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he does not belong to Christ. Paul puts it very plainly. You don't have the Spirit, you're not a Christian. The reverse of that is, if you're a Christian, you have the Spirit. And Paul says, look what we have. If there is any fellowship with the Spirit, that word means partnership. We have a partnership with the Holy Spirit. We do not live the Christian life alone. We are partnered with God. Now, does that mean you will never sin? Absolutely not. Because even as you walk with the Holy Spirit, there'll be times when you say, eh, thanks, but no thanks. I'm going to do this on my own. First John is clear that even as a Christian, we sin and we're going to fall. You, however, are controlled not by the sinful nature, but by the Spirit. When we are controlled by the Spirit, we have everything we need to live the life pleasing to God. Partnership with the Spirit of the living God. Our positional connection. One more. Look at the end of verse 1. If any tenderness or compassion. I think Paul here is saying in the journey of life, there is tenderness and compassion from our union with God. Going through the journey, we experience 
tenderness and compassion. We stumble and fall, he picks us up. We sin, we're convicted of our sin, we don't want to sin anymore, we ask his forgiveness, he forgives us. He is faithful and just to forgive us. Tenderness and compassion. So think of that. Our positional connection with God can never change. Our union with Christ, that gives us encouragement. Unconditional love that He gives us brings us comfort. Through the Spirit, we have a partnership with the living God. In our life's journey, we experience tenderness and compassion. Now, that's only half the deal. That's a great part of the deal, but that's only half of it. Because the Christian life is not only a life connected with God, but it's to be a life connected with other people. We're connected with Christ, but we have to be connected with others. We have to show them encouragement and comfort and partnership and tenderness. Same things we get from God, we are now to show to others. So look at the right side of your chart. It's interesting in studying this passage, for every positional connection that Paul lays out in verse 1, he has a counterpart practical connection in verses 2 through 4. So let's put those together. Here's the first one. Paul says in verse 1, since there is encouragement from being united with Christ, then go down to verse 2, then make my joy complete by being what? Like minded. We are to use the same encouragement we have from our union with Christ to encourage others in Christ-focused relationships, being like-minded, understanding what Christ has done for us, and our relationships can exist on that level. We're going to have different personalities here. All kinds of different backgrounds. Think about the church in Philippi. The first three people that we learn who became Christians in the church of Philippi, one was an entrepreneur, a dealer in purple cloth, Lydia, a slave girl that Paul healed, and a jailer. Now, those are pretty varied backgrounds, aren't they? We're going to have varied backgrounds as well. But when we keep our relationship on that level of our like-mindedness, our relationship with Christ, that's where there's connection. We have different preferences. My son and I share a car. When I get in after he has used it, I am deafened by something coming out of the speakers. He says it's Christian music. I ask, how would you ever know? Because you can't understand a word of it. Wasn't it great that regardless of age, we could focus on our union with Christ, whether you're 16 or 60, 17 or 70. We encourage each other by our union with Christ, regardless of background, age, race, stage of life. That's what connection is about. Paul writes this to the Thessalonians. For God did not appoint us to suffer wrath, but to receive salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. That's what God has done for us. He died for us so that whether we are awake or asleep, we may live together in Him. Therefore, encourage one another and build each other up, just as in fact you're doing. Here's a second practical connection. Look again at verse 1, if you would. 
Since you have comfort from His love, then skip down to verse 2, then make my joy complete by having the same love. Since you have comfort from the love that God gives you, Paul says, make my joy complete by having the same love. Now remember, the love that we get from God is what? Unconditional. So what love should we share with those in our life? Oh, that's harder to say, isn't it? <laughs> we like unconditional love from God. We're relieved by that. That's comforting. But man, is it hard to love others unconditionally when I don't agree with them, when they hurt me, when they say something I don't like, when they act a way I don't approve. That's tough, isn't it? And yet, it's what we're supposed to do. The same unconditional love that comforts us is the same unconditional love we use to comfort others. Let me give you a tough verse, John 15, chapter 12. Jesus says, My command is this, Love each other as I have loved you, unconditionally. As a Christian, Jesus loves me unconditionally. I'm commanded to love others the very same way. Great passage in 1 John. Let me read it to you. This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down His life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for others. If anyone has a material possessions and sees his brother in need, but has no pity on him, how can the love of God be in him? Dear children, do not let us love with words or tongue, but with actions and in truth. You hear what John is saying? You say you have love. Great, fantastic. Now you see someone in need, and you have the gift or the time, or the resources to help them out, and you refuse to do it, John says, how can you even say the love of God is in you? If it's in you, you demonstrate it. Then he says, let us not love with words and tongue. That's just cheap talk. But we are to love with actions and in truth. Third practical connection. Verse 1, if you have fellowship with the Spirit. Verse 2, then make my joy complete by being one in spirit and purpose. Being one in intent and purpose. Since you have a partnership with the living God, the Holy Spirit comes and walks with you and empowers you to live the life that He wants you to live. Since that is the positional connection, then Paul says, make my joy complete by partnering with others in the same intent and purpose in life. As God has partnered with you, now you partner with others. That's the life of connection. The same partnership we have from the Holy Spirit who enables us to live a life individually pleasing to God is the same partnership that we demonstrate with each other to be able to do what God has called us to do. So you see, if you have a gift and you're not using it, then what benefit are you in the connection of the church? We are a body of Christ, a living organism dependent on everyone pulling his or her weight so we can fulfill the purpose that God has given us. 
That's what connection with each other is all about. One more practical connection. Paul says, if you have experienced God's tenderness and compassion. Go down to verse 3. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. But in humility, consider others better than yourself. Each of you should look not only to your own interest, but also to the interest of others. If you have experienced tenderness and compassion from God, then demonstrate humility to others. Let me go through verses 3 and 4 very quickly. First, Paul says, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. That speaks to our motive, and only we know our motive. We are not to be motivated by self-promotion. It's about promoting God, glorifying Him. Look at the second part of verse 3. But in humility, consider others better than yourself. Humility is not so much thinking less of ourselves, it's just not thinking of ourselves. Pretty tough, isn't it? One more, look at verse 4. Each of you should consider not only your own interests, but also the interests of others. Now that's a tough one to really apply, isn't it? I should not think about just the things I like, but also the things other people like. How about that for a thought? It's not about my preferences. It's not about my desires. It's not about my tastes. When our focus is on the union we have with Christ, we are encouraged by that and we encourage others. When we understand the unconditional love of Christ, we are comforted by that and so we comfort others. When we truly understand the partnership we have with the Holy Spirit, we demonstrate that partnership with others. And when we truly appreciate the tenderness and compassion that God shows us day after day after day, we show that same humility, that tenderness and compassion for others. And please stay with us. Ron returns in a few moments with a look at our next time together. Do you wonder where the abundant life Jesus promised is found? When you do a personal assessment, do you find spiritual failure, doubt, and bondage instead of the victory you seek? Well, you'll discover the things you've been looking for in Ron Moore's digital devotional, Welcome to the Life God Has for You. In this thoughtful look at Paul's very personal letter to the believers in Philippi, you'll learn how to experience the joy, freedom, and bold confidence God intends for you, His child. Welcome to the Life God Has for You is yours for a gift of any amount when you visit ronmore.org. Again, that web address is ronmore.org. Your gift today will help keep the journey on the air, developing followers of Jesus Christ. Now here's Ron with a preview of our next broadcast. What do you want to do when you grow up? If you have younger children, you no doubt ask that question often. When you get a little older, somewhere around maybe graduation from high school, first years in college, even through college and first years of career, the question changes a little bit. What am I going to do that makes a difference, that makes a contribution? Then you hit your 40s, 50s, 60s, retirement. 
And the question changes again. And now the question becomes, what do I want to leave when I'm gone? It's a question about significance. What impact will remain from your life? Now these questions, what am I going to be, what am I going to do, what am I going to leave, really center around one thing, don't they? Significance. Impact. Worth. When my life is all over, what impact am I going to make with these few years of my life? The question of significance. We hope you can join us for that message next time. Also, we want you to have a copy of Ron's PDF devotional titled, Welcome to the Life God Has for You. It's yours for a gift of any amount, and you'll find it at ronmore.org. That's ronmore.org. Plus, we invite you to have a look at our church website at biblechapel.org. There you'll find information about our worship services and special events, along with Ron's recent sermons, devotional thoughts, and podcasts. Again, that address is biblechapel.org, biblechapel.org. And if the journey has made a difference in your spiritual life, won't you invite your friends and family to listen as well? We'll thank you, and we think they will too. Finally, please keep in mind that the journey relies on your generous donations to remain on the air, developing followers of Jesus Christ. Your gift today will be deeply appreciated. You can give at ronmore.org or you may call 724-731-2018. Thanks for listening, and we invite you to join Ron Moore next time as we walk together on the journey.